You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. goes before a fall and ambition is a form of pride I want remember we went to Isaiah 14 and look at the I wills of Satan this is Satan's masterpiece pride I want this I want that when Satan went to the garden he tempted Eve by saying you'll be like God I will I'll be like God hey I can handle that I'm gonna be like God sure that pride that comes in The Bible teaches that we will reap what we sow. The life and death of Abimelech in Judges chapter 9 is a memorial to that truth. Although he acquired great power quickly through ruthless betrayal, he lost it just as quickly in the Lord's judgment. In today's message, Pastor Dave will warn you about ambitious pride. Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 9 with part 2 of his message, Evildoers Will Be Cut Off. You are Then Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem? Well, we should serve him. Is he not the son of Jerubbabel? And is not Zebal his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? Well, what you have here is a bunch of guys sitting around, boozing it up in the house of a foreign god, in the house of an idol. And all of a sudden, you know, you get a little booze in you, you become real bold. You get, a little, you get a little spirit in you of, of, of ill will. You get a little spirit of the vine in you. And all of a sudden, you become tough. You become a wise guy. Believe me. In the BC days, I've seen more fights start this way than you could ever imagine. People get a little drinking, and all of a sudden, they become rocky. They become real tough. And fights start. Well, these guys are all sitting around. They're all tanked. They're all gassed. And Gaal says, hmm, because Gaal's an opportunist. And he looks around and goes, all right. And he starts to speak. And there's always one guy in the crowd who makes everybody crazy. It's always one guy. And I don't know about you, but in the days I ran with the crowd, the guy who did all the talking is never the one that got his butt kicked because he always snuck back. Well, everybody else moved forward and got their heads beat in. I don't know what that was all about. So Gaal, he says, who is this Abimelech? Who is this guy that we should serve him? Come on, let's go, guys. So he's stirring these guys up. Now remember, they're all boozing it up. So they're all tanked up. They're eating, drinking, and being merry because they don't know that tomorrow they're really going to die. And they're all boozing it up right now. You know, after the wine, the mouth speaks. And all of a sudden they're speaking this venom that comes out. So then you read this. I don't know about you, but let me read that again. Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem? What Jerubbabel? And it's not Zebul, his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? If only his people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. I read that. The first thing I think of was the GOP campaign. Who is this guy? Who do you think you are? I mean, it's crazy. They're speaking out of turn. So Gaal says, come on out. Let's fight. In other words, he says, you and me, pal, let's go. 
We're going to have at it. We're going to go now. Come on. He's spreading his venom. See it happening all the time. You see it happening in church without the wine. You see it happening in church. People all of a sudden think they have a platform to stand on. And the first thing they want to do is they want to gather people around them. They want to get their posse together. They figure their strength in numbers. Well, not if you're wrong. And, 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 and I see this happening. So Zebul, Z-E-B-U-L, he's kind of like the city manager. He goes and he tells the king about what was happening. And he gives the king Abimelech some strategic advice on how to take Gaal out. Let's look at 30 and 33. When Zebal, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ibed, his anger was aroused, and he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gaal, the son of Ibed, and his brothers have come to Shechem, and here they are, fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be, as soon as the sun is up in the morning, that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he said to the people who are with him, Come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. So this is day one of the whole thing. Now we come into day two. We come into day two in 34 through 41. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. When Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebul, look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, you see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Gaal spoke again and said, see, people are coming down from the center of the land. And another company is coming from the diviner's tibetan tree. Then Zebul said to him, where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these people whom you despise? Get out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gaal went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. Gotta love this. Zebul calls him out. Hey, big mouth, where's your mouth now? You want him to fight? Here he is. Ever happened to you? Did you ever really pick a fight with somebody that you really didn't want to fight? And all of a sudden, he said, well, okay, let's go. You go, well, what are we going to do now? You know? <laughs> Oops. I really don't want to fight you. That's what he's saying. Who do you think you are? It's interesting that Abimelech uses a similar strategy that his father Gideon used. Remember, they broke up in the companies? It's pretty cool. But indeed, he lacked Gideon's faith. He had no faith at all. Gideon's faith, we said, was weak. Remember that. Gideon had weak faith, and the Lord used him mightily. Abimelech had no faith at all. Abimelech attacks the city and chased Gaal and his men, killing Gaal. It was a decisive victory. But I don't see him praising the Lord for this victory. I don't see him giving thanks to God for this great victory that he had. So this guy is totally on his own. And again, we have Psalm 37 once more. Evildoers get cut off. These men who wanted to do evil, wanted to come against them, are killed. God is control of all things. But it's not over yet. Abimelech now has to settle the score with the men of Shechem. Now we're coming into the prophecy of Jotham. And the fire. Abimelech has to settle the score with the men of Shechem. Let's read 42 through 49. And it came about on the next day. Now we're coming to the third day. The people went out in the field. They told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked. And there the people coming out of the city. And he rose against them and attacked them. 
Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward, stood at the entrance of the gate city, and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Berith. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bough of the trees and took it and laid it on the shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his bone bow and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Abimelech settles the score. He settles the score just as Jotham prophesied. He's the fire that burns up the men of Shechem. Has this ambush, he kills the people. And though the Lord uses Abimelech to avenge the blood of Gideon's son, fire does come from the bramble because the phrase cedars of Lebanon refers to the citizens who supported Abimelech's reign of terror on his brothers and appointed him king. He not only destroyed the city, he sowed it with salt. This means it can never be inhabited again. They sowed it with salt. It could never be inhabited again. He not only destroys the town, but he cremates all the people. He burns them up as they hide in the tower of their God. They hide in the tower of their God. Interesting. Abimelech gets a little cocky, which is his style because of his pride. And there's another city that he sees in verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes. And he encamped against Thebes and he took it. But there was a strong tower in the city and all the men and women and all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves up in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it and he drew near to the tower to burn it with fire. So he said, okay, what works in Shechem, now it's going to work in this place called Thebes and we're going to do it again. Woohoo! We're going to burn it up. He goes in there to destroy it. When a man sows, that he will reap. The time has come for God to pour out judgment upon Abimelech for shedding innocent blood. The time has come all through the Bible. You can look at a lot of places in the Bible. Deuteronomy, 1 Kings, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel, They all talk about God's wrath towards those who shed innocent blood. And this is what's happening right now. Abimelech goes to this other city. They must have been somehow joined with Shechem because he gets mad at them. And he goes and tries to deal with them the same way. But the Lord has another plan. The Lord has another plan for our friend and our buddy Abimelech. Let's read. Verse 52 to the end. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it, and he drew near the door of the tower and burned it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to a young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, 
Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me a woman killed me. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Look at verses 56 and 57. Thus, God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads, and on them came down the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. Once again, this is the third time in the book of Judges where we've seen a woman take control of the situation. You've had Deborah, remember Jael, and now you have this unnamed woman, this unnamed gal. How she ever lifted up that millstone, I have no idea, but she had it up there right in the perfect place, and she said, oh, look. These people, these men who thought they were invincible, these men who thought they were invincible were struck down by these women in Scripture. I love it. I love it. See, pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before a fall. And ambition is a form of pride. I want. Remember, we went to Isaiah 14 and look at the I wills of Satan. This is Satan's masterpiece, pride. I want this. I want that. When Satan went to the garden, he tempted Eve by saying, you'll be like God. I will. I'll be like God. Hey, I can handle that. I'm going to be like God. Sure. That pride that comes in. We know from scripture, James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 6, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. All of us have been taught that we want to be number one. Every one of us have been taught that from a very young age. Our sports teams are taught that we should be number one in competition. God says we're to be others-centered. I'm to worry about others' interests as well as my own, but I'm supposed to put others ahead of me. That's God's plan. That's God's way. But no, we want to watch out for number one. We want to look out for ourselves. That's a sin of pride. Pride is vicious in our hearts. and We all have it, and it can rise up so fast. It can rise up so fast that sometimes we'll say something in pride thing, and we go, where the heck did that come from? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. God knows your heart. And the crazy thing about it is he loves you anyhow. Praise God. But pride is a killer. Pride kills relationships. Yours with your spouse, with whomever, with your children, with your friends, and certainly with your God. Pride is a relationship killer. We have to be ever so careful of our pride. And it's so ugly when it rises up and gets there. We have to be ever careful of the word pride. And we have to be ever careful of the sowing and reaping principle. The sowing and reaping principle, the scripture right after this says, if you reap to the flesh, you will sow fleshly things. But if you reap to the spirit, you will sow spiritual things. We all want the good things of God. We all want the wonderful things of God. We need to sow the spiritual things. Sitting here, 
singing praises to God, listening to a Bible study, you are sowing spiritual things. You're sowing spiritual things. So many times I find myself flipping through the channels of this endless, monotonous big box that sits in my living room, and I see all this garbage on there, and my mind's thinking, this is not spiritual. There's nothing spiritual happening here. And you feel dirty. You feel unclean. You feel wasted. It's because you're sowing fleshly things. You know that old saying, garbage in, garbage out. You know, if I'm doing nothing but putting garbage into my body, the only thing that's going to come out of my body is garbage. I need to sow to spiritual things. I need to sow to that which is of the Spirit because I am born of the Spirit. And my new flesh is not fleshly anymore. It's spiritual. Although my flesh fights with my spirit all the time. But I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. I am new. And those type of things, those fleshly things, should no longer satisfy me. They'll satisfy my flesh, and they'll think it's pretty cool, but they never satisfy the spirit. So I have to be ever, ever so carefully. So the third, the second thing we can learn from this is the, the, the principle of reaping and sowing. So important. Pride is the first thing. Reaping and sowing is the second thing. And the third thing, the third thing I've got out of this is that there is a more secure tower than the tower in Shechem and the tower in Thebos. There is a more secure tower. They ran into the tower of their God and it burnt to the ground. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous went into it and they are saved. The name of the Lord is our tower. He is our strength. He is our security. You can read that in Proverbs 18, 10. For you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower from the enemy, it says in Psalm 61, 3. The Lord is our tower to which we should run. I should be depending upon the Lord and what he wants to say. We can be certain that God will repay wickedness in his time either in this life or in the life to come. But usually he finds a way to do it both. On this group came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. God had warned the men of Shechem through Jotham, but they didn't take his heed. They rejected the warning of God. Therefore, they came to ruin. What is God warning you about today? What is the warning of God to you today? What was the warning of God to you on Sunday? I can tell you what it is. Don't stay on the bottom rung of the ladder. Move up in your faith and believe. Don't stay a baby Christian as long as you can. Move up and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That was a warning that came to you. It came to us as a church. What is God warning of you? What are you dabbling in that God is saying, I wouldn't do that. But see, God is so gracious. Oh, Lord, if you just take this from me, I want you to give it up. I want you to give it up. What are you dabbling in? What are you dabbling in? What are you playing with? What are you playing with? As you sit in front of your computer and look around and go, nobody knows. Hey, nobody knows. What are you dabbling with? 
on that TV? What kind of things are you watching? What, what are you dabbling in? God knows. Is he warning you today to cut that stuff out? Do we want to be doing those things when you hear a trumpet? I don't want to be doing something. And hear that trumpet blow and have to give an account on what I'm doing at that time when God comes back. This is a warning, folks. We've got to take what we read in Scripture and we've got to apply it to our lives. Because if we don't, then why read it? We've got to take what we read and apply it to our lives and go, okay, I can learn from this. And up until now, it's been a great story. And we read through it and we went through it pretty fast and it was pretty narrative and stuff like that. And you, I'm, some of you are probably going to say, well, where is he going with all this? I'm going right here. This is where we're going with this. What's God warning you about? What is God saying? I don't want you to do that anymore. I want to help you with that. This is the whole purpose of the freedom through Christ that we have. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. And only freedom in Jesus Christ. There is no freedom anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. And we need to learn that. He is our strong tower. And we need to run to him and cling to him. I believe God has a warning for us all. And trust me, it's for every bit for me as it is for you. Every bit for me. God wants us to be aware of him. God wants us to know him on such a deep, deep level. He wants us to know him. He's given us his spirit to lead us into the truth, to guide us in all things, to empower us to do the ministry, the work, to do anything. One of the reasons you can't give up that sin, one of the reasons you can't give up that thing is because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon you with power because you simply haven't done one thing. Asked. That's what Jesus said. What kind of good father would give his son a stone if he asked for a fish? How much more would the father give you the Holy Spirit if you would ask? Holy Spirit, come upon me. Holy Spirit, fill me fresh, overflow in my life. That's where the power is. And if we don't do that, you will be stuck on that bottom rung of that ladder till eternity. I'm not saying you won't be saved. You're not hearing me say that. But you won't experience the joy you won't experience the peace and you won't experience life abundant that Christ has come to die and give you. That's what we can learn from this story in the Old Testament today. And that's what I want you to learn, my brothers and sisters, my beloved brethren, my friends. I want to see you grow in the grace and knowledge. I want to see you mature. I want to see you grow up in Christ. Make a difference in your home. Make a difference in your community. Make a, make a difference for Christ. This is why we do these things. We don't do these as an act of tradition. We just, that's not why we do these things. Let Christ touch your heart. Let it today. Don't ever miss that opportunity. You are when God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to himself, he did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished His goals in an unexpected fashion each time. 
God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As you follow God and learn to rely on Him, He will reveal Himself to you as well. It may not be in the ways you'd normally expect, but you can be sure it will be in the way God knows best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased we're able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each new edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges when you join us next time, right here on Assure Hope.